Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is AppSats Radio, help for partners after sexual betrayal. We talk about it here. Betrayal trauma. We are AppSats certified clinical partner specialists and coaches who have been trained to help navigate you through this crisis. There is nothing we won't talk about. Sometimes listeners want to know about triggers. I'm dealing with the aftermath of my husband's affairs, and he still works the same job that he did when he was acting out. It's a job that allows him to hide his goings-on and one that he stated was the previous trigger for his acting out. The whole 16 and a half years we've been together, he's acted out. In the beginning, what I thought it was was just pornography. Um, It ended up being, I found out two and a half years ago, he had been with multiple prostitutes. I only found out a very small portion of that until about a month ago. How do you cope with all of that when you still have to deal with unavoidable triggers? Well, of course you would feel traumatized by hearing all that information and I gotta tell you Stephanie that's a staggered disclosure that's finding out little bits and pieces about your husband's behavior throughout a time period making you feel insecure unsure and unsafe so what we gotta do is set up a situation whereby you get with a specialist to do a formal disclosure so you can hear everything at one time in a safe environment Now, I got to say that I played that in part for my guest um, today. Mari Lee uh, has written lots of books on partners, and she runs a business for partners. She's just got amazing wisdom. And she put together this incredible disclosure packet. And she sells them to clinicians. And so I bought this. And in it is not only disclosure information, but it's the emotional impact letter that you as a partner write after the disclosure. Letting your husband or your wife, the addicted spouse, letting him know how his acting out has made you feel. And it's She just has incredible guidelines that my clients love to use. And then after that occurs, then the sex addict writes a restitution letter. And it's it's really an empathy letter. It really helps. It helps her to understand that he gets what he did. And you've heard me say it before. There are two things that partners want most, in my opinion, um, from this whole experience. One is they absolutely want to know that their spouse understands the devastation that they've experienced as a result of the sexual acting out, the partner betrayal. 
the sexual betrayal, if you will. And then the other thing that the partner wants is she wants to know that he is willing to do whatever it'll take to make the relationship right. And I heard another professional, not an AppSats person, um, but another professional that I really admire, Alex Katahakis, doing a presentation, and she, you know, sometimes people that have been betrayed, I don't know if she was referring to sexual betrayal or not, um, hold their spouses emotionally hostage, almost as if they're in a terrorism situation. And, you know, what I know to be true is that you had no understanding, knowledge, awareness of what was going on in most cases. Some of you may have, but very few. Certainly what I hear over and over again is I was completely duped. I had no idea. I knew we were having problems. I knew we were disconnected. I thought it was his stress. I thought it was work. I thought it was the kids. You know, whatever. But they didn't even begin to know the devastation and of the betrayal. Okay, so they say, and when a man is really willing to make it right, when he's really willing to make it right, he will do anything he can to reassure her and make her feel safe. And that's a great thing. So she went from no power to now, all of a sudden, the partner has hopefully much more power. Now, if you're listening to this show and you're thinking, well, I don't have power in my relationship. I tell him how I feel, and he, it's like it, it um, goes in one ear and out the other. Or he doesn't care, or he's too self-centered, and he won't attend to my needs going to take a good partner-sensitive therapist and probably a coach because you don't deserve, you don't deserve to have your needs go unmet. And we all know that a good, healthy relationship is about negotiation and compromise. And so, you know, at AppSats, we we learn to be partner-sensitive and to to help him to understand the trauma she's experienced. And then that typically makes him want to make things better. And, you know, my book's coming out. It's coming out May 1st, Help Her Heal. And that is an empathy workbook for sex addicts who want to help their partners heal. And it teaches them the formulas and gives them the skills to work on to be a better spouse. So I really believe that. And I don't think anybody should ever be a terrorist in their relationship. So if now, if a partner has all this um, power and she's abusing it, that's a problem too. And I don't mean abusing it, but let's face it. This is such a betrayal that it's oftentimes very easy to be a bit paranoid and to think maybe you've noticed things in every arena of your life with him that may not necessarily be factual because and often uh, your brain may go offline for a while. So 
I would ask you, if you're a partner listening to this show, to really evaluate, do I feel that my husband is working on meeting my needs in general? Do I feel like he's willing to do what it takes? Certainly right after disclosure, that's a discovery. Um, after the discovery, I'm sorry, do a disclosure, do a polygraph test, and really learn those empathy skills. And I said the partners may have more of the power, but eventually with a good therapist, what we're really looking at is restoring the power so that you're both seeing eye to eye, not always agreeing, but at the same level. And there's not one person that has more power over the next. And I get some partners and some addicts that go, Carol, is our relationship ever going to be right? Can a relationship recover from sexual betrayal? And I say yes, if you got two people that are working on it. If it's just one person, it probably is not going to. And so I don't want you to give up, and I want you to ask yourself, am I willing to do what it takes to take care of myself while he gets his act together, while he recovers in his own sobriety, and he recovers relationally? Uh, He learns those skills. He meets my needs. He spends time with me. That's what I want you to ask yourself. And so what does it mean to do your own work? Well, today Mari Lee and I are going to be talking about self-care. I just pulled her book off my bookshelf. She wrote Facing Heart for Stephanie Carnes and Anthony D. Rodriguez. And this is a book, the uh, subtitle is Steps to Recovery for Partners of Sex Addicts. And it's, it is an incredible workbook to help you refocus on so many things that you need to. And I know I, was, I just did a YouTube. And doggone it, I have two different stations. One, uh, one YouTube channel is um, under Carol Sheets. That's my Carol the Coach channel, and that could help anybody, your sister, your mother, your best friend, you take your life to the next level. And then the other one that's specifically partner and sex addict and couples oriented is Sex Help with Carol the Coach. So that's how they're delineated. Two YouTube channels. One is Carol Sheets. That's me. And, the, and that's H-E-E-T-S. And then the other one is um, Sex Help with Carol the Coach, based after my other radio podcast. So I put this, sometimes I get up too early in the morning, I a YouTube video for the week on my normal Carol the Coach. Anybody could see this and take their life to the next level. Now, I had to say to myself, well, you know what? Maybe there's somebody who's wanting to take their life to the next level that has been through betrayal that just happens to be looking at this, and it'll really help them. You know, maybe this is a God shot. Things happen for a reason, and so that's what I'm going to believe because I don't want to have to delete it and put it up on the other one. I mean, I'm going to put this video on the other side too, and here's why. 
Because one of the things that we have to get better at as clinicians and coaches in working in the field of sexual addiction and with partners and with couples, we have to get better at helping you see your own potential, helping you move into some growth, helping you know your own strengths right out of the box. Now, APSATS-trained therapists and coaches know that there is a little bit of downtime that you deserve after discovery. You're in shock. Your brain's gone offline. You're reeling from all this. You're in fight, flight, or freeze mode. I mean, literally, this is a brain problem. And it takes a little while for you to figure out what do I need to get reoriented. So you're not going to be actualizing your potential and following your next goals right off the bat, right out of the gate. But sometimes I'll get a partner who comes in and literally she's known about her husband's sexual addiction and has worked with two or three other counselors for years. And nobody has talked to her about, hey, why not do more intentional self-care? Or why not identify what your strengths are and let's start creating a life that you deserve that's about you, whether you're with him or without him. You have the right to be happy and you have to find some of that yourself. So that would be my other question to you if you're a partner listening to this show today. What are you doing to promote yourself, your own self-growth, your own post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic growth. You know, we know you've got post-traumatic stress, but it does produce growth. So I'm going to ask you, what are you doing? Are you thinking about writing a book about your memoir? Are you thinking about volunteering in church? Are you going to take Donna um, Meredith Dixon's program uh, where uh, it's partners helping each other heal? Um, Are you going to start painting? Because you got so much emotion in you, you might as well get it out by throwing it on a canvas. You know, what is it that you can do that will express yourself and make yourself feel good about you? And You know, maybe it's the way you raise your kids, or maybe it's um, the fact that you're really getting good at golf and you're kicking butt on the course. One of the things that I do every day is exercise, and I do it because I love it, but I also do it because it makes me feel good about me. I know I'm doing something good for my body, and then more importantly, I like that I have the discipline to want to take care of myself. So today's show is going to be all about intentional self-care. And we got the goddess of self-care coming on. And as I said, she's written many books, Facing Heartbreak, she co-wrote with two other authors, Steps to Recovery for Partners of Sex Addicts. You know, Stephanie Carnes and Anthony Rodriguez, her co-authors, are amazing writers, too. Um, Anthony has since passed away, but... He has really been instrumental in the field of sexual addiction, as has Stephanie Carnes, obviously. So I want to give a big welcome to Mari A. Lee, who 
is really a pioneer in this field, and we all just really admire. Mari, welcome to Betrayal Recovery Radio. Oh, thank you so much, Carol. It's such a joy to be here with you. And and I just heard that beautiful uh, shout-out and acknowledgement that you gave to our beloved late Tony Rodriguez, my dear friend and co-author on Facing Heartbreak. So thank you for that. I always love to remember Tony when we can. I really appreciate that. Well, absolutely. And I can't imagine what it's like to have had that kind of partnership and to have it moved into a different existence. And, you know, so often we have to do that with the people we love. So Mm -hmm. shout out to Tony and to Stephanie and, of course, to you. Um, Because you just write all the time. You've written Healing from Betrayal, which is an amazing book for partners who just found out that their partner is a sex addict. And feeling devastated and and need a roadmap of the first steps towards healing. And I was saying earlier that the partners I work with, one of the things we know is that their brain goes offline. And so when they can get step-by-step instructions, that roadmap, it helps them to stay organized, doesn't it? Oh, it sure does. I I think that's so important, Carol. And, you know, I know just um, in my own journey of recovery as a partner, and those, this, of course, is, you know, hearkening back about 20 years now, but in those, that first, you know, those first few weeks, few days, few months of discovering, you know, that the person that I loved the most in the world was, you know, addicted to pornography and sex, it was devastating, confusing, enraging, frustrating, depressing, all of it. And so... I, you know, in writing um, Healing from Betrayal, I was imagining that partner that was much like myself back in the day where I'm searching the Internet. You know, my, my eyes are swollen up from crying. I'm tired. I hadn't showered that day. I'm frustrated. And, you know, it was so hard back then to find any material for partners. Everything was so focused on the recovery for the addict. And I imagine now, you know, partners, much like myself, going through that process of discovery, the heartbreak, and being able to go onto the internet and hopefully finding an ebook. This is an ebook form. Of course, Facing Heartbreak is a workbook. Um, but being able to find healing from betrayal and just download that in the moment and um, have exercises and information and, as you say, that step by step roadmap. So more information is good, right? Well, absolutely, and you know, one of the things that I I used to have a bias against was ebooks, and then mm. what I realized that as my sex addicts and my partners wanted those ebooks because it ensured their confidentiality and privacy. You know, they didn't have to mm-hmm. worry about them laying around the house or being in the car, and it really gave me a new value for how important it is to have a private place for your books. And obviously with a Kindle or a tablet, you have that option of looking at that stuff day and night and nobody knowing about it. That's right. There's that anonymity and that confidentiality. And, you know, I'm right there with you, Carol. I really was resistant as an author and a writer 
you know, and a therapist, I just felt a certain resistance, and I don't really know what it was about ebooks. I, I don't know if I felt like they weren't as valuable or who knows, right? Maybe just kind of old school thinking, but I'm telling Absolutely. you, you know, my clients just so appreciate it. So, yeah, good. We learn, we, we learn and we grow as we move along as professionals, right? <laughs> right, and, and growing, and we have to be flexible with change, and there's always reason for change. So I want to talk to you a little bit. You said, obviously, that you're a partner, and you wanted to provide um, experiences, books, counseling, retreats, all sorts of things for women who have been through this process because you know how fractured and, unfortunately, sometimes how damaged they were from the betrayal. Tell us a little bit about, if you will, as a therapist, what do you believe the challenges are when you see partners dealing with their own self-care or lack of? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question, Carol. I really appreciate that. Well, self-care, you know, as you know, is is something that I've really been speaking out a lot on in our community and in the therapeutic world and with clients and on, you know, wonderful shows like this. Because in the beginning, when a partner finds out, you know, that their significant other is dealing with sex addiction or porn addiction, there is such a loss of um, self, I think, that the partners that I work with, you know, countless partners now over many, many, many years have shared with me this shattering of self, this, um, this cognitive dissonance, if you will. You know, I thought my life was this, thought my relationship was this way. I sort of saw myself as this kind of a woman in the world, a woman with integrity or a woman that had value and worth to my maid or a woman who is bright and attractive or, you know, however they, they saw themselves or experienced themselves, a woman of faith. And, you know, then all of this happened and it felt like everything became fragmented. Who I was, who I thought I was to my partner didn't feel the same and I didn't feel the same. And a lot of times also with partners, at least in my work with partners and with my own story, there becomes almost a hypervigilance toward the addict's growth. What's he doing? What's he not doing? What do we need to do right now to repair this relationship, to get him on the track of recovery? And there's so much focus on learning and understanding what the addict is going through, what sex addiction is and isn't, what porn addiction is and isn't, what love addiction is and isn't, right? And all of this hyper-focus on the addict and what it is and what am I going through and what's he or she going through, that the partner really, over time, begins to lose himself. As I wrote, I think, in a journal, I don't know, I want to say probably 20 years or so ago, Carol, I remember writing in my journal to myself at that time, in the early stages of discovery, I feel as if in the mirror. And that image of myself, who I know myself to be, is becoming more and more transparent. It's sort of fading away, and I'm becoming a ghost of myself, the things that brought me joy, my hopes, my dreams, the things that I wanted to focus on are now all that time, effort, energy, focus, attention, money is all going toward 
healing my heart and making sure that, you know, my significant other is getting the help and support that he needed. And there, it created resentment in me. It created confusion for me. And I just see so many partners in my clinical work going through that process. And so having a structure in the beginning to both, you know, understand what's going on with the addicted spouse, but also really moving that needle over to your own self-care, not just about recovery and therapy, but the things that also bring you joy. And that takes a while to get there. And yes, we do need places and spaces and materials specifically to support partners with self-care. And so I'm wondering, you know, obviously you are an expert in this field. What resources are available? Because I have to tell you, just as you indicated at the beginning of the show, that you couldn't even take a, a get your bath or your shower when this first happened. It, and, I, and I think mm-hmm. back to Sherry Kepper, who wrote Intimate Deception, and she said she went weeks. And, you know, mm-hmm. she's a PhD, and she's a highly functioning mm-hmm. woman, and everybody knows how good her writing is. And yet that's mm-hmm. how devastated she was. It's like we need to help people figure out how they can mobilize their energy for intentional self-care. So what resources do you know that are available for women that can help them with that? Obviously, your book, Healing from Betrayal, is one. What else would you recommend? Right. Well, beyond the books and the materials, because thankfully, thankfully, right, we have so many wonderful books coming out um, that have come out and have been written for partners well beyond the books that I've written, you know, Sherry's book and so many other books for partners out there now and materials. So thank goodness for that. Um, And yeah, to your point, I, I remember a particular day that will forever be seared in my memory where my my significant other had been on a business trip and he'd gotten back into town. And um, I just had this feeling that there had been some sort of acting out on the business trip. And, you know, of course, the gaslighting was going on and absolutely nothing happened. And I swear to God and all of that. And so the next day after he left for work, I called in sick to my office and that is just not anything that I did. You know, this, by the way, predates when I was a therapist. This was when I was in graduate school and still working for corporate America. And so I had a big team to manage. I had several meetings. I canceled my day that day, stayed in my pajamas. It was a really hot Southern California day. Didn't even bother to turn on the air conditioner. And I searched, I tore apart every inch every single space. I spent hours doing that and finally found the little receipt that had been tucked away and hidden away and it folded up and I found that and it confirmed exactly what my gut had thought. And as I looked at that, I caught a glance again of myself in a mirror as I went into the bathroom. And again, you know, we partners were so caught up in that hypervigilance. We're not noticing when we have hunger pains, when we need to use the bathroom. I went into the bathroom, washed my hands, and looked at myself in the mirror, and I looked like a wild woman. My hair was in a messy bun. I was hot and sweaty. My face had dirt smudges on it from crawling around and trying to get things out from underneath the bed. The house was a mess from opening drawers and digging around. It was just, you know, a a piece of me that I looked at and such a loss 
of who I was as a woman that I felt was a woman in control of her life and a woman who, you know, didn't call in sick and didn't search through nooks and crannies. I didn't want to be that woman. And I just sat on the edge of the tub and I just wept for the loss of, of what I, who I, who I knew I was and what I felt I was becoming. And that was it for me, King Point, for me, Carol, where I looked, I got up, I took a shower, got on clean clothes, packed a bag for him and said, I'm not doing this anymore. What do I need to do to take care of myself? My eating habits had gone off the rail. I was eating junk food. I wasn't exercising, which is something that I loved doing. All of that began to change for myself, and it was really hard. You know, I made that determination to put a plan in place with my own therapist to say, okay, this is going to be my daily schedule, and I'm going to take it one day at a time. Even if I have to just pretend like I am being the mother to my inner child, I'm going to make myself get up in the morning, even if I just put my tennis shoes by the bed and do 15-minute walk out and 15-minute walk back, and I have just some scrambled eggs and a piece of fruit. I am eating and exercising and doing the basic minimum for myself to treat myself well. And it started with that. And over the years, many, many years now of counseling partners, helping them just get those bare bones sometimes in place where can we start with a walk? Can we start with a shower? Can we start with you know, getting you into some regular therapy. And then what's really important, Carol, is for that woman to begin to build her tribe and her community. And that is very hard for some women. And what I have found and discovered over the years, again, this kind of falls into two categories. One, women are resistant to this idea of community going into group therapy or 12-step or a retreat or you know, their church community, whatever it is, and sharing they're going through because they feel a level of shame. They don't want their husband to be judged or they're afraid that their information won't be confidential. So that's one piece of it. The other piece why women are resistant to this idea of finding their tribe of support is because they've been hurt and wounded by women before. Either they've been mean girled in the high school or college or middle school, or they've had they've had a narcissistic mother or a narcissistic sister or the reason why they've been betrayed is because their best friend or a sister or a neighbor they trusted betrayed them uh, and was part of that betrayal process. So then they have a resistance of getting into a community of women where they can feel loved and supported and understood and nurtured and Finding that community is one of the most important pieces of self-care for women and for partners, for any partner, but I'm talking today with you about the female partner. Well, absolutely, and I have to say, you know, obviously you and I both know how important it is to have female support. You called it a tribe, and you're absolutely right, and that may mean you have will have to work with your therapist to rebuild that trust and find safe people. And and what I know to be true is oftentimes in online groups, you know, we at APSATS have a lot of online groups that are absolutely mm-hmm. excellent. And because they're co-run by a coach or a clinician, they are monitored so that things don't get out of hand and things stay on task. And, and it, 
and it can be very helpful because sometimes, Mari, I, I'm sure you've experienced this, you might go to a support group and it isn't the healthiest. One woman either monopolizes right. it day in, day out, or it just has a really negative energy. And it's like it's hard to get the hopefulness that you need mm-hmm. to also, for instance, fortify your own self-care. So one of the things that I really appreciate about you, and you do it so well, and I have the blessing of working with Mari Lee, um, both as a CSAT and as she's kind of one of my coaches, and you certainly have a way of relating to people that brings about a genuine warmth. I mean, you do that mm-hmm. really well. And so I would assume you've had some good role models in your life for helpful, oh, wise you. women. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that, Carol. And I, I really, uh, I really receive and appreciate those beautiful words. Um, I think having another woman share that I am an authentic and safe place to land is the very best compliment I could ever receive in my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm winking at 60 now. I'll be 57 this summer. And I've been very fortunate. Um, my early years were spent in foster care. So there's a lot of transition in foster care. And I was always so hungry for that tribe, you know, like so many foster care kids, you really want that tribe. And then I was adopted older and it wasn't a great adoptive situation, but I did have a sister and she's been a wonderful uh, role model, even though she's a year younger than I am. She has been a wonderful role model and somebody that I can Um, trust and who always has my back and then very early on I was out on my own very early in life I was on my own at 16 I just really relied on my girlfriends and their families I was so fortunate and to use your word blessed to have such a good group of girlfriends that I cultivated and girlfriends that I've had now for 30 40 years um, you know, we've gone through our highs and sometimes we'll have our little, you know, spats, especially when we we're in our teens and 20s. But now, you know, just knowing that I have that tribe of women to go to, they know my story. And I'm so fortunate because I get to meet women now all around the world, some of whom, like yourself, I call friends and colleagues and, you know, good women who are resilient, who have a story. You know, we women... I'll often share with women, we don't relate through perfectionism. We don't connect through, you know, um, checking off the boxes, right? Or, oh, you know, I wrote a book and I did this and I did that. That's Mm -hmm. not how women connect and relate with one another. We relate through our imperfect selves, through our imperfect journeys. We relate through our vulnerabilities. Yes, through our joys, but also through our pain. So having an authentic group of women that are safe, and to your point, Carol, not every community of women does feel safe or does feel like the right fit, and that's okay. You get to try it out and try it on for size. Um, May I share about the Shine Retreat? Would that be okay? I would love that. Oh, absolutely. Carol. Yeah, one of the so in thinking about that, right, uh, a colleague of mine, wonderful woman named Anna Osborne, who works with women and couples as well, we decided, you know, I don't know when it was, maybe three or four years ago, that we really wanted, well, we were having a conversation about how many women that we work with that have these stories about dealing with mean girls. 
and not just mean girls when we were children or when we were teenagers, but mean girls in the workplace, right? These hurting women that, you know, we know hurting people hurt people. So these hurting women that haven't done their work or haven't done their healing, and so they're gossiping or they're envious or they're just being unkind. And, you know, how women really do hurt one another. And when we think about the Me Too movement, we think about some of the ways that, you know, the last couple of years have really been the the year of the woman, right? You know, we want to find ways of helping women heal and come together and tribes. So anyway, um, Anna and I said, what if we... What if we created a retreat for women and we kept the retreat small, not some gigantic retreat, but we kept the retreat small, which for Anne and I, that means that we don't make one single dime on the Shine Retreat, Carol, because the larger a retreat, the more bodies you have, the more money. But that wasn't the intention of the Shine Retreat. We wanted a small retreat that we facilitated every fall. And we wanted it to be a place for women and partners to come for a healing weekend where they could connect with other women who were authentic and warm and safe, where there were healing workshops, toes in the sand fun. We even have a workshop that we do on Friday evening where we put our our PJs on, and it's called PJs Under the Stars, and we go right out on the beach. It's so fun. And, you know, where we share meals and we do yoga in the morning and all this good stuff. A healing retreat uh-huh. for the mind, the body, and the spirit for self-care, intentional self-care. So that's going on this fall in Laguna Beach, California. It's September 27th through 29th. And I know you'll have the link, but they can go on to shine, the shineretreatforwomen.com and learn more about it. But that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about partners who are listening right now who feel like, Everything that I've been doing the last few days, weeks, months, or even years has been all about sex addiction, recovery, my pain, and I have forgotten how to take care of myself. I have forgotten how to have fun and reclaim myself and my joy and my dreams and goals. Come and join us at Shine. You will get a new lease on life. And if you can't come to the Shine Retreat, find something in your area whether it's a group of women, a group of women, by the way, is two women. So one other woman that you meet at a meeting or at the gym that feels like, you know, she feels like a safe person to me, start there. Absolutely. And let me remind my listening audience that I am talking with Mari A. Lee, and she is a recognized author, licensed marriage and family therapist, a certified sex addiction therapist, and she's the founder of Growth Counseling Services. And she's just now talking to us about ShineRetreatForWomen.com, and that is at www.ShineRetreatForWomen.com. Now, I have to ask you, because so many of the women that I work with would call themselves introverts. And so they may want to do this and they may think, oh, no, I'm going to be a turtle in a shell and I just probably (laughs) won't fit into that. What what would you tell a woman who tends to be more introverted and maybe has been hurt by other women but wants to try something like this? Oh, Carol, I could hug you for this question. Seriously, thank you. So a lot of folks, I think, uh, you know, are surprised sometimes to learn that I'm more introverted than I am extroverted. I have learned to become more extroverted. 
um, ever since, you know, I began speaking and writing and doing this work. It really required that I took a deep breath and faced my fears of public speaking and kind of putting myself out there. I'm much more comfortable one-on-one. So I really didn't even begin public speaking until I was in my 40s, even begin to put myself out there. So I'm, I am sort of that turtle in the shell. I'm, I'm what's now called an ambivert. I'm both introverted and extroverted, meaning, for example, I think we'll both be at the conference next week, right, the symposium, and, um, and I'm, speaking, I'm speaking there. And, you know, and I had a couple of colleagues say, hey, can we have dinner? A couple of the nights I'll have dinner with colleagues, but a couple of the nights I completely scheduled time just to go back to my hotel room, PJs on, and relax, check email, read, take a bath, and relax, and recharge my batteries. So with the Shine Retreat, we want that to be a safe place. That's why we keep it small. We close registration at 40 women, period. And we keep it small because we have a mixture of extroverts and introverts, but the 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 number one thing is that the woman must be coming in to the retreat, being open and, and being kind and loving and, you know, uh, accessible to other women. So everything about this retreat is safe. And we've had highly introverted, very shy women come in. And that's okay. We notice those women and Anne and I will gravitate. We will sit with these women. We'll do small groups with the women. There are some women who have really acute anxiety disorders, and they have shared with us, I was so anxious about coming because of my anxiety. didn't want to have a panic attack. I had no idea how calming and healing this retreat would be. So if there is an introverted woman that's listening, I see you. I hear you. I feel you. I know that introverted spirit you'll be warmly welcomed just like the extroverts will be warmly welcomed and by the way carol this is a a retreat for every woman when we created the shine retreat we wanted every adult woman 18 and up no matter her ethnicity no matter her size no matter her age to come and enjoy the retreat so i'm very proud that the shine retreat has Many, it's very diverse. We have many ethnicities of women that come, different shapes, different sizes, some very fit, some, you know, very curvy and happy with their curves. We have women that are in their 20s, 30s, all the way up into their late 60s. I think we had a woman there last retreat that was in her early 70s. So it's a beautiful time, you know, for women. But yeah, you know, introverts need a a safe place to land too. Boy, do they. (laughs) Absolutely, 100%. And, you know, obviously, you know how important it is to work on self-care. And that also means pushing yourself, or I always say stretching a little bit out of your comfort zone to try something new and different. So whether it's this retreat or another retreat, whether it's paddle boarding, whether it's jewelry making, um, we encourage all of our partners to begin to find their own creative self because oftentimes that's at the heart of intentional self-care. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, my gosh, absolutely. And it's hard. It's hard when your heart is so heavy and your spirit feels so um, 
pulled into a different direction. You know, you're, you're, you, we only have so much energy as a woman. But like you said, Carol, you know, if you can just start with one little step, maybe that's a walk in nature every day. Maybe that's cuddling with your dog on the back porch and reading a book. Maybe it's, like you say, you know, I say, you say stretching a little bit. I say leaning into risk and attending a retreat or starting a group or going to 12-step. I'm working with a partner right now. I just adore her. And she's, you know, a younger partner in her late 20s. And she's really nervous about going in to, you know, a partner's 12-step group. And so we've just been starting in baby steps around that. And, of course, you know, I think working with a therapist or a coach that can help can afford to give yourself that gift. That's that's very wise, too. Oh, absolutely. Now, we have to begin to wrap up just a little bit, and I want to know what's one of the best gifts of self-care that you've ever given yourself or that you've heard that a partner has given herself? Okay, gosh, there have been a lot of gifts in the wound along the way. But I would say the best gift, let me think about that for a second here. The best gift for me, Carol, was giving myself permission to to invest in me. Giving myself, and what I mean by that is actually spending money on myself. I was always a saver again. That was that's kind of a result of being a foster care kid and then out on my own early and having, you know, I was responsible for all the bills, the mortgage, everything. And so I was always really conservative in my spending, but giving myself permission, a permission slip and saying, you know what, Mari, you are going on that little mini retreat or you are going to go and get a manicure and pedicure or you do deserve to sign up for that Pilates class. And you know what? Yep, you might have to put it on your credit card. Or yep, you might have to put this therapy on your credit card. But you know what? God will provide. I'm a woman of faith, so God will provide. There will, where there's a will, there's a way. You are a hard worker. And this is your time to reinvest in yourself. So giving myself that permission slip to actually spend money on myself, for me, that was really big. Um, and other stories that I've heard for, from other women I know we're wrapping up here are just, you know, small things. Like I, I'm thinking of a partner that um, I work, I, I've worked with for a while now. She just bought herself a bike, and she's always wanted a beach cruiser bike with a bell on it. And so she's really excited for her beach cruiser. Another woman had always wanted to get a dog, and her significant other didn't like dogs, and so she's purchased a dog and that's been something really exciting. I've had other women go back to school that I've worked with, um, women who have opened businesses um, saying, you know what, I deserve it. I've been wanting to do this. I'm not happy. Dang it. I'm doing it. So, you know, just everything you can possibly think of from the extravagant, like, you know, um, buying that car they always wanted to something more simple, like, you know, I deserve to take myself on a walk every day, and I'm doing that. And I come, I'm putting myself and my needs at the top of the list, and that means I might have to invest a little bit, and that's okay. So I hope for the listeners, especially the, you know, the partners who are listening, I really hope that station that Carol and I are having today is inspiring you to think about ways that you can really turn the focus back to yourself and invest some time, effort, energy, money, whatever it is, in your own hopes and dreams 
so that you can have intentional self-care in your journey of healing. It really is truly the best gift that you'll give yourself. Well, I agree. And as you said earlier in the show, it is an absolute opportunity for women to regain their sense of self. Intentional self-care helps you to figure out not only who you are today, but who you want to be tomorrow. And that may be more joyful or more spiritual or experience more serenity. It really, it's kind of, I believe self-care takes us away from the busyness of life and certainly the trauma that one's, one's experienced. And you know, Mari, mm-hmm. um, in, with APSATS, we have a lot of clinicians and coaches who are partners themselves, and they've already gone through that journey, and they've made it their mission to serve others and to help other women through this experience. And, and so they've kind of got a double whammy in that they've gone through their own stuff, and now they're helping others, and you and I both know that this can be stressful work. There's a lot of pain wrapped up in this work. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and so that's what I think we really have to attend to our needs as professional clinicians and coaches to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves while we're helping others. Um, do you have any words of advice for therapists and coaches uh, that are listening to the show? Oh, great. Well, hello, my colleagues. If you're listening to the show today, it's such an honor to be here with Carol and and with all of you who are listening, I'm so grateful for the good work that you're doing in the world and the community, you know, really taking, um, you know, growing beauty from ashes, if you will. So I have a lot of friends in, in your community, Carol, and, and colleagues. So I'm, I'm giving a little shout out to each one of you who might be listening right now. But golly, you know, this message of self-care for uh, clinicians and coaches could not be more important. We cannot pour from an empty cup. It's impossible to do that. We can try. You know, if I have an empty teacup on my counter, I can try and pour into your teacup, Carol. But if there's nothing left in there to pour, there's nothing that's going to come out. And so um, I think that clinicians just by nature and coaches tend to be um, healers. We tend to be people who love to pour into others and to help others. But again, we have to put that oxygen mask on ourselves first, and we have to know, you know, when to say no and when to say yes. And the busier we get, um, it is really important to understand when to say no um, and experience, you know, what what I think the popular little phrase is FOMO, right? There's fear of missing out, and then there's JOMO, right? J-O-M-O, the joy of missing out. <laughs> and I'm experiencing a lot of JOMO, you know, where I can say, is that really something that I want to take on right now? Do I really want to say yes to that project? Or do I really want to say yes to that, you know, conference invitation or whatever, or podcast interview for that, for that matter? Is that something that I want to do? Is that, am I going to be pouring from an empty cup or a filled cup? And just one last little tip, take regular time off. Again, give yourself that permission slip as a coach, clinician, a healer to have regular time off for yourself. Maybe that's one day a month. Maybe that's one week every three months. But schedule it in just like you schedule in client meetings. Schedule in your time for you. There's nothing selfish about self-care. 
Well, I think you said that beautifully. I couldn't even add anything to that. And certainly, you know, you've been in this business how long? Oh, let's see. I want to say 15 years now. Yeah, 15 years. And in recovery now for 20 years. Oh, and one thing that I would say, sorry, Carol, this just came top of the brain right now. The Shine Retreat also, we have therapists that come there who are wonderful. They come and they regroup and they fill their, their tank and recharge their batteries. So so it's not just for non-clinical women. It's for clinical women as well. We probably have half the women attending our therapists at the Shine Retreat. So just a little tip about that too. Everybody, all women are warmly welcomed. I love that. So again, that website is www.shineretreatforwomen.com. And Mari, I want to give a special shout out because I know that you got another book coming out in 2020, The Gift in the Wound, Stories of Hope and Resiliency for Couples in Recovery. So cannot wait for that to come out. You know, I'm, I'm a couples guru. I love couple work. So I, you I, do. Not every, you do. I know, and not every not everybody's lucky enough to be able to be in a healing relationship. But when a relationship can heal from something like this, I tell you, it's like a broken bone. The scar is actually stronger than the rest of the bone, and that's what I find emotionally. When couples can heal, they end up being stronger than they were before. And so, I can't mm-hmm. wait to read this book. Mm, I love that. That's such a good analogy, Carol. And, and you know, I, I, I so appreciate that. Thank you. I'm in the midst of, you know, editing. It's quite a process, as you know. And, and Carol, I can't wait to begin to read Help Her Heal, your book that we have needed forever in our community. I really do feel like this is the breakthrough of the decade, this book that you've written. I cannot <laughs> wait to put this in to the hands of every addict that I work with, every partner, every therapist I coach. And I kid you not, Carol, you know me. If I give a shout out for something, it is something that is near and dear to my heart. So I cannot thank you enough as a therapist for this resource, Help Her Heal. We are all over the moon excited about this. It's the talk of the town. So, you know, good for you, woman. Thank you. Thank you. Uh Well, you know, I have to share something with you and my listening audience. It's very, very personal. But I got my certification back in 2007 uh, in working with sex addicts. And what I found was when I worked with these men in Indianapolis, Indiana, they, when they found the tools and they got the support, they got better. I'm not saying they didn't slip once in a while but they really got better and they felt so good about themselves and what I ended up doing was starting to see the partners and they weren't better they were in the fetal position on the floor crying unable to take their showers and I went oh my gosh I need more help and so that's when I got my APSAT certification and and so I feel like this book is really a give back to those partners because their spouses didn't know what to do and they needed something formulaic and they needed coaching, coaching on how to deal with somebody who's so betrayed that they 
They don't trust anybody, anything, the coupleship, and most importantly, themselves. So that's what I'm hoping for this book. I hope that it will help her heal so that she can trust again. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I have goosebumps. Yes. Love it, Carol. Well, I just adore talking with you. Thank you for all that you do in the world. Thank you for this show and everything that you're doing. I just can't wait to see you next week and give you a hug. Hey, I'm not going to be there next week. I come oh, the following oh, year. Can you? So don't look for me. I won't be there, but I'll see you. All right. Well, in I'm sending you a virtual hug in that case. <laughs> That's it. It's a deal. I'll take all of them I can get. And you make it awesome. a great weekend again. Thank you for a wonderful interview. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Carol. Bye-bye. Oh, well, so that is, again, Mari A. Lee, who has written a plethora of books from Facing Heartbreak, you know, Steps to Recovery for Partners of Sex Addicts. It's a workbook for you partners. I keep a stack in my office for my partners. And then she has written Healing Betrayal, The First Healing Steps for Partners of Sex and Porn Addicts. Uh, She's written The Creative Clinician for Clinicians and Coaches. And in a, out in 2020, The Gift and the Wound, Stories of Hope and Resiliency for Couples in Recovery. And I will see you next week. You know this is our special time together. I can't see you, but I can feel you. And I do this for APSATS because it's the best organization in the world. APSATS.org, where you can find clinicians and coaches that are partner-sensitive. You make next week a great week, and I will see you then. And as I always say, there will only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. See you soon. For more information, go to appsats.org, the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists, to find a professional in your area who is trained to help you after sexual betrayal.